0: Good morning. Join me as we read together Psalm 23 and then Matthew 15 verses 21 to 28. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. now let's turn to matthew 15 and verse 21 leaving that place jesus withdrew to the region of tyre and Sidon. a canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out lord son of david have mercy on me my daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession jesus did not answer a word So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and your daughter is healed from this very hour.
1: So one of the greatest books of all time, because it's my favorite book of all time, is The Outsiders. It's a book written, actually, by a person named Susan Eloise Hinton, who wrote this book as a teenager. It's about these two different social classes called the greasers and the Socs. The greasers were poor, had long hair, and put a lot of, you know, grease uh, in their hair um, to slick it back. And there were the Socs, who were clean-cut, rich and had nice cars. The greasers were looked down upon by the society, and socials were the ones that seemed to get all the breaks in life. And the main character in the movie is a boy named Ponyboy, who was a greaser. He wasn't the normal type of uh, or the typical greaser in that he liked to read and was smart. Um, and the book is a great commentary on society and, and how these lines that have been drawn are lived out by teenagers, which speak to the kind of world that, that the adults have created for them. And I resonated a lot with this book because often I felt like uh, Boy Coming to Canada in 1987, I still remember my, my elementary school where I was the only other, other Korean. And the other Korean girl I knew there didn't speak uh, any Korean. I felt very out of place. And being a visible minority, living in a country where you know you are an outsider, is the way of life for many people in Canada. And once in a while, I'm still reminded of this truth when I go... And this is some, some small town, Ontario. Or when we took a trip, for instance, out to Quebec, uh, the province of Quebec is huge, but uh, in this one area called Saguenay, and we were in the shopping mall where, you know, we got that stare. I don't know if you know about the stare, where they look at you as if you're an alien or, or someone that's like a ghost that they've never seen before. And have you ever felt that way before, like an outsider, as if you didn't belong? And our story today is in that realm where Jesus enters a region where he was the outsider. He has left this Jewish region of Galilee and now is in a Gentile region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus had just finished having a conversation with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law Of the importance or the lack of importance of washing your hands. I wondered if he was just tired of having to deal with these Pharisees and all the healing that he had to do and just needed some downtime. Maybe if he went to a foreign land where people really didn't know about who Jesus was, maybe he could just go there and rest. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, he would tell his disciples to not to not go to the town of Tyre and and Sidon, and only go to the lost sheep of Israel. You know, Jesus' plan was to show the Israelites that he was the long-awaited Messiah. So being in a Gentile area, he could just relax. And so it's within this context that we see a woman who comes to Jesus and yells at him to help her daughter. Her daughter is demon-possessed and is suffering miserably, Jesus seems to ignore the woman. Maybe like doing one of these, you know, like as, as you would do with, with the paparazzi, right? Like, you know, oh, no, no, stop talking to me. Let's just keep walking. Maybe, maybe she just, she'll just go away. But she wouldn't. And got to the point where the disciples are like, Jesus, can you just send this woman away? It's, it's getting embarrassing. She keeps crying out to us. Jesus then answers, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. As I mentioned before, Jesus says here what he said earlier in Matthew 10 when he sent the 12 disciples out. And there's some truth here. Jesus' main mission, and especially in the book of Matthew, as a major theme in Matthew is to show that Jesus fulfills the the prophecies of the Old Testament, is to show that he is the long-awaited Messiah that the Jewish people were waiting for. It needed to happen through the people of Israel because God had promised Abraham that he was to be a blessing to all nations. So in order for God's promises to be fulfilled, it needed to happen through the people of Israel. So it makes sense for Jesus to make sure that his disciples focus at that particular time on the Jewish people. So, But what happens next in the story is so very odd, is very un-Jesus-like. The woman came and knelt before Jesus, almost blocking his path, and says to Jesus, Lord, help me. And Jesus replied, it is not right to take children's bread and toss it to the dogs. What are you saying, Jesus? Did you just equate this, this woman to a dog? Maybe Jesus meant like a nice dog, you know, like a cute puppy or family, you know, pet that you have. Did Jesus mean a dog like that? No, Jesus says something that was a common derogatory term or a name that the Jews called non-Jews, you Gentile dog, It's demeaning, negative, and very hurtful. Some Jews would, in fact, make sure not to hang out with these Gentiles because Gentiles were so unspiritual that it would make them unclean. So when the readers of Matthew, who are mostly Jewish, by the way, read this story, they would be nodding their heads with Jesus and what he was saying. The blessings of God is for the people of Israel. And we can't take that bread that was meant for the children of Israel and give it to the Gentile, this unclean dog. But here we don't see the word Gentile, but the word Canaanite. It's the only time in the New Testament that the word Canaanite is used, so we should pay attention to that. Why Canaanite? Who were they? Canaanites? And Israelites have had a long history of conflict and hatred. And Canaanites weren't just victims, but often were the perpetrators of exclusion, violence, cruelty against their neighbors. So when they hear the word Canaanite, they automatically hear an ancestral enemy. This person is an outsider, someone who doesn't belong in the story, or, if she does, if, even if she does belong in the story, she's the enemy. I read a book about a year ago called Pachinko, and it's a historical fiction about the Japanese occupation of Korea during World War II or around that time. And I remember reading that book and reading about the way the Japanese people viewed Koreans, and it was very unjust. They treated Koreans like dogs, And I remember thinking, now I know why my Korean grandparents and, and older folks have, want nothing to do with Japanese people and their products. You know, It was almost like uh, frowned upon for you to buy anything that was Japanese, you know, Japanese car, you know, the Walkman, and so on. And, and now I understood why it was because of the, all the atrocities that were committed by. The Japanese regime. So when Matthews mentions the word Canaanite, it would have set off this long-term generational hatred, or at least some negative feelings towards this woman. So what is going on here? Is Jesus really saying that he doesn't want to heal this woman because she is, she is a Canaanite? And the blessings of God are reserved for the people of Israel? Yes and no. The yes is that Jesus did come to reveal to the people of Israel that he is the Messiah they've been waiting for. But no, in the sense that we know that Jesus never came just for the Israelites, but for all people. Even in Matthew 8.10, before this passage, Jesus had already healed the centurion's servant who was not Jewish. And later on in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus would command his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. So there has to be something else going on here. What is going on here is to is here is that yes, Jesus did come to reveal himself as the true Messiah of Israel but not in an ethnocentric way where where the Jewish, Jewish people are above and better than the rest, but rather to show that we are all part of the same nation, that we are all his children. There is no us and them because in God's eyes, we are all children of God. Let me explain. Just before Jesus withdrew to Tyre and Sidon, Jesus had a conversation with the Pharisees of being ceremonially unclean because his disciples didn't wash their hands. Jesus ended that conversation with this saying that it's not what enters into the body that makes someone unclean, but what's in their hearts. Right after that, we see Jesus interacting with this unclean Canaanite woman and shows us what it really means to have faith. When the Canaanite woman, woman heard that Jesus, what Jesus had said about the dogs, what was her response? Jesus asks, is it right to take the bread from children and toss it to the dogs? Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, women, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. The response of the woman seems to surprise Jesus, where Jesus exclaims, Woman, you have such great faith. And her daughter was healed. Did you know that no one in the Bible receives such an accolade from Jesus than this woman and the centurion? The two people in the New Testament who were considered to have great faith are non-Jewish, ceremonially unclean, Gentile dogs. i think matthew is trying to show the contrast between how their own people received jesus versus how these lower tier gentiles received him the one who had faith were not those who should have had faith but those who would or could not possibly have any faith when his own people did not accept jesus when he was with them healing them But when Jesus is in in a foreign land with a Canaanite woman of all people who they consider their enemy and dogs, not only wanted Jesus to heal her daughter, but would not stop until she received it from him. The desperation and urgency of the woman over and against the criticism and disdain by the Pharisees is what is important here. And I think what Jesus does here is masterful in that Jesus sets himself up as the voice of the common Jewish people. You could almost hear the religious leaders' criticisms, criticism of Jesus conversing and even contemplating giving this blessing that was, that was you know, reserved for the people of Israel to this Gentile woman. And not just any Gentile, but a Canaanite, someone who was there Ancestral enemy. What Jesus does here is he sets it up so that not only only is Jesus voicing what many Jewish readers would think in the back of their minds, but is revealing to the reader who the real story, the real hero of the story is. The hero of the story is the Canaanite woman. The one who is unclean and undeserving of such blessings is the one who has enough faith to receive it. She is the protagonist in the story because she has such faith in Jesus. Jesus doesn't care about how he would be viewed here, but is more concerned with the uprooting of the systemic racism and ethnocentricity of the Jewish people, and to help them understand that the kingdom of God includes all nations and all people, including those people who are considered outside of God's Blessings. To Jesus, there is no Greek or Jew, male or female, slave or free. To Jesus, we are all his children. We are all part of his family. We are all part of his flock. So, this story isn't a story about Jesus, isn't about how Jesus didn't want to minister to a woman in need because she wasn't a Jew, but rather a story about how the mission of Jesus goes beyond national lines to that of all nations. It isn't about who is ceremonially clean or unclean. It's about having faith. This is further shown in what happens just right after this story. After the, wa- uh, the woman's daughter is healed, Jesus is now seen with a great crowd of people. The lame, the blind, the sick come to Jesus, and he heals them. And Jesus having compassion because there were so many here and who didn't have enough food, he would later he would feed them. And this is the second story of that feeding, right? There's the five thousand feeding of 5,000, and here is the feeding of 4,000. But guess what their ethnic background was. Were they Jewish? No, they were Gentiles. Verse 31, the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. They praised the God of Israel. They praised the God of Israel and not just God because they were not Israelites. They were Gentile dogs. It still just sounds really nasty for me to say that even when it comes out of my mouth. It, it just, uh, it's just not a good saying. The, the faith of this woman surprised surpassed the order of ministry set for the Jews. What was set up as the a, as a blessing to the Jews is now open to all nations, even those that the Jews considered beneath them. Faith has come to the Gentiles. We are part of this fold. We are part of this flock. It is by faith we are saved, not by our ethnic background or Christian heritage, we are saved by Jesus. We are saved by trusting in Jesus. In the story of the outsiders, Ponyboy ends up becoming friends with one of the Socs. And throughout the book, there's this theme of reconciliation where they can see beyond the fact that they were greasers and Socs and just people. The fake divisions and the fake divisive line that, were, that they were living in under the category of greasers and socials were being erased as the characters started seeing one another just as people. Whether it's our ethnicity, our social status, our political views, our theological beliefs, or what kind of coffee or phone we use, it is very easy for us to start labeling and creating boundaries on who's in and who's out. And I remember the first time when I faced racism in Canada, it wasn't by a white person. It was by another minority, another ethnic person. Even if we were an outsider before, once we become the insider, it's very easy for us to perpetuate the same in-and-out mentality. And possibly even more now as an insider, we want to protect our insidedness. And uh, <laughs> I'm just making up words. We as Christians are now insiders. How do we look at others who are not like us, who do not believe the way we do or act the way we do, sing the songs we sing or, or use the same kind of Bible passage that we use? How do we not have that mentality of in and out, us versus them? How can we be like Jesus who, who spent time with the so-called outsiders and welcomed them in? And I think one of the concepts that I think is helpful for us and that I have actually was introduced to it by Gene, our, our former senior pastor, is the idea of the bound set versus the center set. <clears throat> In the bounded is, bound is set model of church, the bound is set, uh, <clears throat> sorry, model of the church, we draw boundaries and say, and we have this circle, and we say these are the people who are in, and these are the people who are out. And if you follow these rules, if you behave a certain way, you believe these uh, these ideas, then you're in. But if you don't, you're out. In the center set church, we're not as concerned about who's in and who's out, because there is no boundaries, but rather who you are being drawn to. What is at your core? What is at the center? A a good analogy of this is if you're a farmer with a three-acre ranch and you can build a fence to keep your cattle in and other animals out, this would be a bounded set. But if you're a rancher, say, with a huge amount of land and acreage, you you wouldn't be able to build a fence around this whole property. So instead of building fences, you dig wells. So it is then assumed that animals won't go too far away because their life literally depends on them not wandering away from their water source. And Jesus, we've seen in the Bible, and as as he refers to himself, is the great shepherd who breaks these boundaries and fences that that we tend to set up. And he not only waits for his sheep to come and find him, who is the living water, he actively seeks out those who are lost, those who feel like outsiders. In fact, he would break down the fences that we would build and say, come, come to me, but also I will go out to you and find you. And one of the things that I appreciate about Spring Garden is that, and this has nothing to do with me because this was set way before I was ever here, is that we want to be a people who see church and our community as a center-set church. And our center is Jesus. And as we consider what, we, what it means for us to be the church, may we be people who seek to be like the Canaanite woman, recognizing our need for Jesus and to trust in who he is. And as we are drawn closer to Jesus, may we seek to be people who God has created us to be. And we have a thing in our church called values. And one of the values, I think, speak to this. We believe in a God who is our center. Therefore, where we are on the journey is less important than that we are moving towards a deeper relationship with Christ. We believe and participate in God's redemptive work in all people, which gives us the freedom to come as we are and to accept others as they are. We each are on a unique journey to become who God has created us to be. I've included Psalm 23 as part part of the, the scripture reading today, and I'm not really going to speak a lot about it, or much about it at all. But I think when you have time, look at verse 5, because it it says in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I want you to think about that with the crumbs of the table um, where this Canaanite woman was willing to even take those crumbs. And, And I want you to consider that why would this shepherd prepare a table before him in the presence of his enemies? Can it be that his, the, the, his enemies now at this great feast of Jesus at his table wouldn't be his enemies anymore? That they be his friends. And we know that the psalm was written long time ago and was the prayer of the Jewish people. But as we are now part of the flock of Jesus, we can seek to live with him and in the truth that we are being drawn closer to him, who seeks out the lost sheep and cares for all his people. So please join me and recite this psalm together uh, as a prayer for us and for all people. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want.